time in 2020, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you were one of our geeks in sneaks, using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Maybe you're, you know, you're, you're, you got a resolution for 2020. You're starting a new time of your life. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Quip, Brooklinen, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy whose only New Year's resolution this year was to have no New Year's resolutions, thereby already failing. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. That's a good one. Uh, hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. And quickly up top, um, thoughts uh, and mon- money to those uh, down under in Australia yeah, right now, suffering through horrific wildfires and the devastation of the changing climate. Um, yeah, I we got tons of, of Australian listeners, I know, and uh, our hearts are with you, all of yes. you. I know it, it is unbelievable. So take a minute when you've pulled over or you're not jogging and look up a charity that you support, that you like, that is supporting the efforts, the relief efforts there and kick in, you know, a dollar or whatever you can and, and help those people out because it is uh, truly horrific. So um, yeah. love to all of you. And yeah. All right. Yeah. Well said. I'm glad we mentioned that because my goodness, it's it's been uh, jarring to watch over the new year. Uh, but this is the first DLC of the new year, of the d- new decade, depending on how you measure that. And I think we're going to be talking about some decade stuff this episode. we got news to get to, we've got games to talk about, and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Distinguished Location Co-Founder. Because it is only fitting that we start a new decade with one of the key online voices of the previous decade in video games, responsible for both Polygon and Kotaku, none other than Brian Crescenta joins us for the first time. Hey, Brian. Hey, man. How's it going? Hey, you know, it could be downloadable Crescenti. I was thinking that, but, you know, I feel like that's a little too easy and you deserve a bit more than that. I mean, uh, I've been wanting to have you on for a long time, and I'm so excited you're here. Been a fan of your work and your creations uh, for a long time, so we appreciate you being here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is great, and I, I just uh, want to add also about Australia. My my in laws, my my wife's actually Australian, so I've been watching that news with trepidation, and uh, not to belabor the point, but oh my gosh, I just can't believe what's going on there. Yeah, it is. It's unbelievable. Having lived in Los Angeles the last several summers and had that kind of thing happen in our backyard on a much smaller scale, seeing it there is just, it's unbelievable to witness. And uh, too, too few people are talking about it, quite frankly. Um, yeah. Okay, but we are going to talk about video games because that is what we do. And we got a lot to get to. So let's start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. 
Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com or by sending us an email. You can do that by sending an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. And, you know, we haven't talked news in a while, but typically the beginning slash end of the year, the transition period, is not a huge time for news. We're coming up on CES, so there will be some news breaking very soon. But, Brian, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh, man. Uh, th- there was a lot. Uh, I-, I think, personally, uh, my favorite story of the week is the the fact that Seemingly out of nowhere, but for reasons that we can all assume, uh, Witcher 3 has made this crazy comeback. Uh, It's it's like I was just actually looking at the numbers a little while ago, and it's up to, I think, 103,000 concurrent was uh, its peak today, uh, which is higher than it was when the game went on sale, when it launched, which is amazing. Obviously, I would assume Netflix had something to do with that. Yeah, you'd think. Uh, I mean, it's it's very rare, almost unheard of, that a game will beat its opening week concurrent players, uh, you know, this late, certainly multiple years after it has been released. Uh, and Witcher seems to have gotten a big bump from the Netflix series. Have you had a chance to check out the Netflix series, Brian? So I, I'm a strong believer in trying to control binge watching. Uh, <laughs> so the short answer is sort of. I've, I've watched a couple of episodes, but I'm trying to savor it uh, like a like a fine wine. I'm trying to just a couple episodes a day, really take it in. It's such a great show. I, I know I'm going to love the whole thing, but I, I don't want to rush it. Yeah. Yeah. I've only seen the first episode myself. Christian, have you watched any of it? I am through episode three or episode four, I believe. <laughs> yeah. I am, you know, the first episode felt really crammed with info and a lot of stuff going on and it just felt a little rushed and and kind of all over the place. But I'm hoping that the show settles down a little bit as it goes over its first eight episodes. And I I, I was impressed with it. I don't think it's, it's Game of Thrones caliber quite yet, but you know, I think it has a, a pretty well done. I think what I would argue, though, well, one, there's been articles about how uh, Witcher is proving that episodic releases is better than binging. If you want to stay in the zeitgeist a little bit like Mandalorian, people keep talking about Witcher. It's right. like it kind of came and went Two, the other point I would make. And some people will have my head for this, but I don't think Game of Thrones was Game of Thrones until season one ended. Like oh, if you didn't know yeah. the story, like the yeah. first part of Game of Thrones, you're like, this is very trite i mean good but like you know what happens this guy comes in and becomes oh dang D- dang yeah i don't know I, it I, changed. i'm not I, yeah go ahead brian no i was just gonna say i it's funny i i happen to remember when the first episode aired i was moving to new york i was m- literally unpacking my house and i sat down and watched like 20 minutes of the first episode of game of thrones and i was like uh i think i'll wait <laughs> and then <laughs> and then like a season later i was like oh my god this is so good uh but yeah, it's like uh, Witcher. It's interesting because like the first episode, I completely agree with you. It was so sort of, um, it was obvious they were trying to like lay the 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 ground the groundwork for uh, hopefully a good show. By the second episode, I felt like okay, this is going somewhere I want to watch. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm hoping. I, I plan to keep with it. I just haven't had time to watch more than the first. But you know, it, it, one thing I can say about it, which is kind of looping back to our story, is that watching it made me want to play the game. It really felt 
like, I'm part of that problem. Spoilers for later in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are you know, there are these sequences in the first episode in particular where he's just sort of walking through a town. And I was like, oh, I loved walking through towns in that game. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, you know, he's basically Henry Cavill is basically doing the voice from the, the game. So it feels very much like the game to me. Yeah. Um, so I can understand why people were like, yeah, yeah, that game's awesome. I'm going to boot that up again. It's also, I think, $15 right now for the everything collection, I, if not less other places like it, it's a game like so again spoiler for later i've been playing it again it was one of those moments where i was like i really i should i should wait i already own it on everything i'm gonna yeah. play it again <laughs> yeah. i, I kind of want to get it for switch i know that's a terrible thing to say because it's such a graphic uh heavy game but i kind of and and unfortunately it's not on sale there which is such a bummer but uh yeah. i you know i've played it and i'm like okay i want to play it on something else now um <laughs> right but it is like i don't know how you can play games watch the Witcher on Netflix and not go play that game. Yeah. It's like, I think it's impossible. Well, here's, here's the question I want to ask about this to both of you. Do you think this data point of people revisiting the game and, and kind of falling back in love with the game and it becoming a big thing on steam's concurrent list. It's in the top five, by the way, it was in the top five of, of all of steam, like alongside Dota and PUBG and GTA five. I mean, it, it had a huge resurgence. Do you think that lends more credence to the idea of more games, more IPs becoming mainstream television series and movies? I mean, we haven't seen very mo- many of them do it successfully from a quality standpoint, but do you think this is proof that when you do it pretty well, it's a good idea? What do you think, Brian? I mean, uh, yeah, I think uh, hands down, it's a good idea when you do it well. The problem is everybody goes in thinking they're doing it well. Um, yeah. This sounds like a non sequitur, but just I happen to love watching terrible movies. And I was watching the new Doom movie, which is <laughs> god awful. It is so bad. I mean, you look at every other Doom movie that has ever come before it and they look like, you know – uh, Academy of winners, winners compared to this. This is terrible. (laughs) And, you know, I'm sure that they didn't make that thinking this is going to be really terrible. Let's make it terrible. Um, I think, yeah, you know, you look at, uh, a lot of the things that are going on right now, uh, in Hollywood and, and with TV, there's a lot of, they've, they've nailed comics, uh, and not just Marvel. I think people who aren't really into comics don't realize just how much comics they're watching. You right. know, yeah. Watchmen is easy, but like you look at things like, you know, even Men in Black. I mean, there's tons of things right. out there that are comic books. Um, sure. And I think they're starting to get video games, but there's still, you know, a struggle. Also, I guess you could make the argument that The Witcher is not really – this is really a, a, a TV show based on a book, you know, not – yeah. But and then I hear Henry Cavill talk with his voice. That's like exactly the game, <laughs> right. and I'm like, eh, I think they, I think they wa- played the game a few times before right. <laughs> making this show. But yes, yeah, that is a that is a good point. Um, and yeah, yeah, quality is quality. But I feel like you know, you guys got to watch those concurrent numbers when uh, when that Sonic movie comes out because Sonic's gonna oh. be back, baby. Oh, you know, just get hold on to your. Shorts. I just. I can't wait for the Sonic uh, teeth mod. That's what I'm holding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so into all the games you can play with the teeth. Uh, Christian, what do you think? I mean, obviously, Brian makes good points about, you know, quality is quality. And this actually had even deeper source material than just a video game that provides a, a bigger tapestry of lore and all that stuff. So it's kind of a cheat to use The Witcher as an example. But we keep waiting around for 
the the video game thing to happen. You know, all, more drama about the Uncharted movie was in the news. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm directing it. I guess yeah, I should announce that. I, they, I was like the 400th pick, and I just because I tweeted about it, they were like, "Do you want to do it?" And I said, "Yes." So. I think uh, actually Alan Smithy turned it down. <laughs> um, inside yeah, inside baseball joke. yeah uh so anyway same question to you do, you do you think this is more makes you want to see more video games as tv shows or movies because i think the, it the, rubs the, well on the on the industry i think that the data point actually might somewhat show the reverse right like this to me might point to having games around popular tv shows like good games around popular tv shows because this wasn't a whole bunch of people were playing this game on steam and then they made a tv show about it right Mm -hmm. so i think this maybe speaks to the avengers game coming out before endgame you want that succession game that's what you're saying i mean i i bet that'd be riveting i bet press x Uh, to be sullen Backstab, why? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pout is B. Um, but the short answer is yes, because I love games. And, and, it is, and it is coming and it is happening. I mean, comics were a long time before yeah. we've reached peak comic saturation. A lot of bad, a lot of bad. I lived through a lot of bad comic movies, that's for sure. Yes, yes. And video game will happen and is happening. And, and I also think that Witcher, it, it one, it's arguably one of the best games ever made. Um, it also is a game that I feel I'm projecting now, but is more likely tailored to the audience of that TV show where it's like a high fantasy show has all this cool stuff. The person who likes that might be more inclined to play an RPG style game. Um, it's very cheap. Whereas like, even if the doom movie was good, I don't know if you like that kind of, I am nostalgic for that. It's like, it fits it very well, like what the show is and what the game is versus other franchises per se, where it's like, let's say this uncharted movie that I am directing comes out and is fantastic. I don't know if you then want to replay that story in game form, right? Like, yeah, I remember very clearly when the, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies would come out every year or two years or whatever it was during that period when the three of them are coming out, I was so excited to like boot up whatever RPG I was playing at the time it just felt fun to sort of be in the fantasy realm anyway. So if there had been actually good <laughs> Lord of the Rings role-playing. There were. They were just action combat, like two towers yeah, yeah. or whatever. I thought they were great. They just weren't those big RPGs. Yeah. Well, And I think yeah, that's the point. Like RPGs, you know, you're, you're in an RPG. You're doing something very different than a lot of other games. You're, you're literally role-playing. And I think that translates really well to movies and television. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to watch more Witcher, and it sounds like it's doing well enough to maybe get a second season, too. So, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Uh, do you hear that dripping? Do you hear those drip drips, those drip drops? Yeah. Do you hear, I, think, I think you got a, a leaky ceiling. There's a little, little leaky, a leaky uh, teraflop coming. <laughs> <laughs> you like them leaks? You like leaks. I like, well, not, I, uh, no, not when they're at my house, but anywhere else. <laughs> I'm a big fan of leaks. Um, at my office, leak away. Other people's house, your house has a leak? Go for it. Uh, video game leaks, don't even put a bucket down. You know what I mean? I want it. I want it they, all. They, they get everywhere. They get everywhere. I mean, Walmart, Canada, you you name it, I want it. <laughs> right. Um, this, uh, this current leak is about AMD and the target for the Xbox Series X GPU and the PS5's GPU. These are all rumors, 
Because um, AMD is making both. Making they are both making both. And based, based on the same chipset, basically. Yes, which I don't quite... I'm not the person to break that out in terms of I've read discussion online where it's like the same chipset can mean a bunch of different things that you look at across laptop spectrums that are all, you know, I'm going to make name an old one, but like all Kirby Lake or whatever. And that's a GPU or a CPU. Um, But stratification within the same chipset is fairly common from what I've read. Um, But it is interesting here that AMD is making both. And you have to imagine that the console makers had price, power, performance, heat, targets for them all and again leak rumor digital foundry has said that they independently verified this data um or that they've heard these same things and so what it is right now is it looks like xbox series x is targeting 12 teraflops which remember like 2018 when no one knew what a teraflop was (laughs) i still don't but now i use I use the word and uh, the PS5 operations. Come on. You know that (laughs) the PS5 is targeting 9.2, which for, you know, it it seems like a, that's a big difference, right? Like, well, you don't know. I mean, (laughs) you're saying one's, one's a higher number than the other one. And it, it certainly seems like quarter higher. Like to put it, to put it in context for people who are, into PCs, build PCs, or know a lot about PCs. That's I build like, PCs, but don't know what I'm doing. Go ahead. <laughs> that's me. Uh, so that's like comparing a GTX 1080 graphics card to an RTX 2080 Ti. So that's like last year's fairly good graphics card to this year's cutting edge, way too much to buy graphics card. Yeah. Well, it, the thing that makes me surprised at this is the the later sentence which says that uh, quote it'd be pointless to speculate on price at this stage, but the full report is worth reading for an idea of what to expect based on what we know. The Series X targets may put it out of the affordable range consoles typically operate in. Oh man, I've just oh. predicted the other. <laughs> so, Wait, are are they telling us we're going to need to get a second job? <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody officially has said that, but it certainly sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, I mean, so if this is right, it feels like you're saying, well, you know, PS5 is underpowered. It was like, no, PS5 is affordable <laughs> in the Xbox, but who knows? You know, if they both come out the same. The other thing that is interesting to me is that in the last two console generations, we've basically seen parody in third party releases. It, there was a time I'm sure all three of us remember when you'd have, you know, which version is the good version, which version was the, was the, you know, they, did they design it for, and then which ones was the port, you know? Uh, And that really doesn't happen anymore. We get now, virtually identical on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Very, very little wiggle room outside of first-party stuff. And if there's a a larger delta here between the capabilities of these two systems, I wonder what that's going to mean and how we're going to see that play out. I have no basis for this at all, but my gut says the Xbox Series X is going to use that extra oomph for other stuff for stuff going on in the background for pulling stuff from the cloud for computing that doesn't translate into pure uh, developer capabilities they're not handing all of that extra wiggle room to the developers they're using it to do background stuff or other things that the box may be capable of like i said no 
official word on that, but it seems like that might be the case. To use Brian's uh, comparison of the 1080 versus the 2080 Ti, it could be, you know, while the PlayStation 5, again, speculation, supports some version of ray tracing, the Xbox Series X ray traces everything, right? Not just lighting, but the there's different types and levels of things that can be ray traced. So maybe it's stuff like that, or maybe it's the difference between, you know, just that, which like a PC. I don't really know what that means. Ray tracing is just lighting. I don't know what you mean. So if you compare the Call of Duty, um, and I would need to pull it up so that I'm not just speaking out of my bottom and making this stuff up, but Call of Duty, what Call of Duty ray traces, it's not reflections. I think it was just light that would stream through like foliage and stuff like that. Whereas control again, please double check me on this listeners. But as I recall, control ray traced reflections and ambient reflections and this and the other, like there's different levels and the processing intensity of things that require in terms of what is or is not ray traced. For example, the mic, uh, Minecraft, um, whatever they did to that, like doing that amount of ray tracing effects on a more complicated game I have read is, like it, it very hungry, very power intensive. Um, so there's different, it's kind of like any effect, right? Like you can turn it up or down and whatever you're doing it to. Right. Um, I but clearly was not prepared to get light. into specifics of this. Just to be yes. clear, it's always just correct. The just just like, just the only thing we use to see everything. <laughs> just everything all the time around. <laughs> that's that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. I mean, I, like it sounds to me like, ray tracing and this is just my gut feeling that ray tracing is going to be the big thing for the next generation of consoles um i i think it's weird because there are a bunch of you know when when the rtx cards first hit i'm sure everybody who got rtx cards got some games that had rtx effects built into them or the ability to turn that on and i swear to god there were games where i was like turn it on stare at the screen, turn yeah. it off. Stare at, and I'm like, I don't, I don't see any difference. Right. <laughs> but I think that will be less true as we get into the next generation where it's like, oh, oh, okay. This is like amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think control was that game. Cause I'm, I'm like oh, you, yeah. I, I, I bought a 2080 and was doing that on and off with whatever was the, what was the first game? It wasn't Tomb Raider. Cause that was delayed. There was some other game. Christian, what was it that we did that with, or I was telling you, oh, it was um, Metro Exodus. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 And I was going yes. on and off. I was like, it kind of looks worse with it on. I, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> right. But man, Control is the game that has oh. completely sold me on it. Because it's like, oh, in the hands of an art director that like uses light <laughs> in their game, right. this is extraordinary. And yeah, I think we're going to see uh, that as, as the definitive thing. I agree with you 100%. Well, I mean, what's interesting about uh, all these numbers is uh, like, I always think about the PS3 and the cell technology. Yeah. Like having more power doesn't mean you're going to have better games. That's um, true. Yeah. And it doesn't mean the games are going to be easier to make. Like there's all kinds of things that factor in that, like just knowing what the processing power of the CPU or the GPU are really like, if this is, I guess it's neat to be able to compare these things, but like, really, I don't think this tells us anything. I agree with you. Although it is interesting that I think this is the first time you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time that the same supplier has basically done both boxes, uh, the GPUs for both boxes. And I find that to be fascinating. I guess we, it's, it's closer to a one-to-one than it's ever been, but yeah, it, I, I, I it basically doesn't tell us. Isn't really the current anything. gen that also? 
Again, I don't think clearly so. not prepared. I thought AMD did both this right now too. Yeah, I think AMD's got like a long history uh, of working, but I, I also did not look into this. So, well, all right, well, we can move on from this topic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is. I think it is fascinating. It's a fascinating leak, and it seems to have you know some you know some truth to it. Uh, but again, it doesn't really tell us anything other than uh, they're both going to pack a big punch when they come out. So that's exciting. Oh, I, I hate to interrupt, but Christian, I just wanted to let you know I'm I'm uh, just found out. I got a text. I'm now directing Uncharted. Oh, oh no! Well, yeah. it's sad that you had to step away, Christian, but I think it's in better hands now. <laughs> well, congratulations! Thank I'll you. send over the all the work I've done on. It. The work. Yeah, thanks, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of rendering things beautifully, I, my story of the week's a little bit of a silly one, but that's because we're not. You know, it's not. Uh, there's not tons of news at the beginning of the year until CES hits, but uh, we've talked a little bit about dreams before the upcoming PlayStation Four make anything in it game for Media Molecule. I don't even know if game is the right word. It's a platform, really, um, and it, it hits what uh, I think Valentine's Day officially, but it has been out in beta for a long time, and people are making all kinds of crazy stuff. We talked about a X-wing game that somebody made, and and the level of uh, Metal Gear Solid that somebody made. Well, one of the senior designers at Media Molecule, a guy named John Beach, has released uh, an image, an animation, and the actual files, I guess, in Dreams, if you want to have it yourself, of his breakfast or a breakfast that he imagines, an amazing looking breakfast. And the thing that is so striking about this and the reason I wanted to bring it up is it looks like a photo, if photo real. It's extraordinary. The level of detail in the eggs, I mean, there's like little pockets of air in them. It, it is an amazing thing that this, this platform, this tool that they're going to release on PlayStation 4, and I think is going to carry forward into PlayStation 5, uh, and is going to support VR and all kinds of other stuff, allows you to do such a broad range of things that you can also create your breakfast. If you haven't seen this image, I highly recommend it. But I think the broader interesting topic here, Brian, is what is Dreams going to do? It, <laughs> it, it comes out at such an odd time. It's like the end of this console cycle. And it really, I mean, we've seen such extraordinary stuff with Mario Maker, for example, and even Little Big Planet, uh, you know, Meta Molecule's previous efforts. With When you put it out into the wild, people really push things to their limit. There doesn't seem to be a limit to this thing. I, I mean, first, I think it's worth noting the first time we ever heard of or glimpsed Dreams was when they revealed the PlayStation Three, uh, Four. Sorry, right. the PlayStation Four, right. which is crazy. It developed like, that long, yeah, yeah. So this is like has been a game longer, probably than uh, that's been in development longer than the PlayStation Four has been available, which is <laughs> wow, crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. You know, it's so weird. It's like with Little Big Planet. I was so behind the idea. I love the idea. And then when I started messing around with it, I was like, oh man, I don't want to be a game developer. <laughs> this is not, it's super cool. I love yeah. the power here. But, and then when dreams came out, I was like, oh, that's gorgeous. But like times 10, I don't want to be a game developer yeah. because <laughs> it looks so hard. Like that, I, I think, I think it's supposed to be like an English breakfast, which by the way, yes, looks amazing. Sausage and beans and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Uh um, but like how long, I mean, that would take me, I, well, I could never do that, but yeah. like 
anything like that would take me an entire lifetime for me to create. Like, I, I just don't have the patience to do that. Yeah, I'm in the same boat too. I, I, I messed with this thing at an event a long time ago and they sat me down. They're like, okay, here's the sound effects and music suite of tools. And I was like, I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed. I can't, this is not even, we're not even making games here. We're just like inventing sound. I don't. You're like, la, 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 run away. Yeah, it's it's too much for me by a mile but i there are lots of people for whom it won't be and i've i just can't imagine that there won't be an, an incredible amount of creativity just flooding this platform with all kinds of insanity i mean everything from you know top down isometric games to first person shooters to breakfast it's like there's there's nothing it can't do it seems well do you know did you just see this i think i just didn't think this just happened on twitter but those extra three teraflops the PS5 is missing are being made in Dreams. Oh, they're, they're I all... heard actually Dreams <laughs> Dreams is directing the Uncharted movie. <laughs> God darn it. <laughs> you took it from me, man. Oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't sorry, even get Brian. it for a minute. <laughs> you know what? It was a great run while you had it, though. It was a great run. Well, now I'm looking yeah. forward to it again. I mean, I yes. was looking forward to it when Brian was directing it. But made in Dreams, it sounds like <laughs> No, it's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's weird is like, I guess there are two types of people who would get Dreams. Either – or you could be both types. You're going to get it because you want to consume what's created there or you're going to get it because you want to create things there. Yeah. But like – so I personally, it for me, I don't think I would buy it knowing I'm not going to create. Like I, it's weird to like buy it mm. – it's like a platform within a platform where you're like, okay, I'm going to buy this and hope a bunch of really cool things come out of it and it'll be worth the purchase for me. Right. Well, I, you know, it comes with a bunch of their levels. So it's kind of like, that's how I played uh, Little Big Planet. It was like, I bought it, played through the levels that they made and uh, basically like jumped in when I saw a cool, you know, article about a crazy level. I don't know, I'll, I'll check that out. So I don't know, maybe I'll do the same here, but yeah, it's, it's, it's astounding to me what's, what it's capable of. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. We got lots to get to this episode, including our games of the decade. Yeah, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. You guys demanded it, so we're doing it's it. Just dreams for all of us. Yeah. Well, that'll be the next decade. Is like all, dreams. all made within dreams. Every <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but first, I need to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. You know, I love Squarespace. I've been using Squarespace over a decade. JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace. I, I recommend Squarespace to all my friends and family, anybody that needs a website. And let's face it, everybody needs a website at some point, whether you're going to turn your cool idea into a website or showcase your work or blog or publish content or sell things. Squarespace makes all of that super easy to do. You can promote a physical or online business, anything you need. What you do is you log on to that Squarespace and you start with one of their professionally designed templates, which are really awesome. And then you just start messing with it. Their tool set is so simple to use. You just start moving stuff around. It's all drag and drop. What you see is what you get. Very, very simple to drop in widgets. If you need to do e-commerce, drop in a widget, it automatically works. It's so simple. And little by little, you make something that doesn't look like the template. You make something your own. You make it yourself and you do it so simply, so easily, and so quickly because there's tools are just that easy. You don't have to learn how to code. You don't have to hire someone to make a website. You do it yourself. Plus, they've got built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting. There's never anything to patch or upgrade ever. That's all handled in the background for you. They have analytics that help your website grow in real time. 
Plus, if you run into any problems, 24-7 award-winning customer support. I highly recommend Squarespace. Like I said, I have been a loyal customer for over a decade. So check them out. The coolest thing is that you can head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You get your free trial. Don't have to pay them anything. You don't even have to give them a credit card to start building your website. And then when you're ready to launch your website, use our promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Let them know it was a good idea to continue supporting DLC into the next decade. We appreciate it. So again, that's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and promo code Jeff sent me for 10% off. All right. It is time to talk about the games that we have been playing. Brian, what is on your playlist? So uh, I, I I have to defend myself before I tell you what I'm playing. <laughs> um, I'm busy. I'm busy all the time. I'm doing a lot of stuff. So I, I've fallen into this thing of playing this game that I'm going to tell you in a second that sort of plays itself to, to some degree. Um, I, I I got into uh, Team Fight Tactics, uh, which is a uh, a game by uh, Riot Games. It's uh, based on League of Legends. And uh, it's really hard to not play it now because if you've never played it, it's essentially, uh, gosh, it's really hard to describe. It's like chess meets League of Legends with uh, a lot of sort of tactical upfront moves. So you basically choose your heroes, drop them down, and then they fight fight the other player and you have nothing. You, you just watch. Right. And then so it's all about like getting the right team together and making sure that you use the right upgrades. But when the actual playing is happening, I'm actually writing a story. <laughs> like, <laughs> not, and, and like, I, I, you know, and because of that, oddly enough, it has gotten me kind of back into league of legends, which is wow. so weird. Cause I haven't played that in years. And so now I'm like playing, you know, a 10 year old game, which is weird. <laughs> well, a lot of people still play that 10 year old game. That's for sure. Yes. Uh, um, so this is, this is, <laughs> I like how the, the time efficiency game has turned into the most inefficient time game. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like, it's like a, uh, you know, it's like a drug user. <laughs> totally. like, they're like, Hey, would you like just a little bit of this? Which is, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then before you know it, you're mainlining League of Legends. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It's, uh, hey, I can play this and I can get other work done. And it's like, oh, that makes me play the game where I have to play this for an hour and a half. Nobody talked to me. I'm committed. My, my teammates are relying on me. I can only do this and not speak to anyone. Yes. <laughs> it's, I love it. it's terrible. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> so tell me about this, this, uh, this drug and how I can get addicted to it. Because I haven't played any of, um, what, what's it called again? Team Fight Tactics. Team Fight Tactics. I haven't played any of that. Is it a mobile game or are you playing it on PC? Uh, no, it's on PC. It's uh, it's an auto chess. So uh, Dota. Oh, it's their auto chess. Yes, yes. of course. Dota has, uh, Dota 2 has one too. Um, it, they were, the, I think, the first. Uh, right. And Team Fight Tactics is the second. I, I tried both of them and I felt like Team Fight Tactics was a little easier to get into. Both of them are like annoyingly hard. I think one of the reasons I got into Team Fight Tactics was I wanted to kind of see what these games were like. And it was so frustrating for me because I was like, I don't, what the hell is going on? I don't understand this. 
And that like gets me super interested. That's like the thing. <laughs> it, it like throws me back to the days where I would get copies of games from, you know, websites where maybe I didn't pay for them and I didn't have any of the instructions. And so I would like hit every button on my keyboard to see what was going on. Right. And so it's like I spent I spent so much time trying to figure out how it worked, ignoring the fact that I could have just gone to Google, you know, and figured right. it out in a second. <laughs> but yeah, but basically you like you collect characters they're all characters from uh, league of legends and um if you get multiples of one they get bigger they get stronger and uh if you each type of character has their own class and if you have x number of people in a class and you get a special ability so there's a lot of sort of overlapping tactics um and of course each character has their own types of attacks and they all work well together and there's something like actually i don't know how many characters they have available in team, team fight tactics but it's a lot it's a lot and um, so the time that you're actually spending playing it is really you're going through like a random list of characters and saying, I want to spend my money on this one. Not not real in-game money, you know, not real money. Yeah. I want to spend my money on this character and this character. And you can put so many out on the field. And then once the timer runs out, it automatically starts the action. And those characters, based on preset rules that the game has... Right. They will attack the other team players. Right. Um, and it's sort of a round robin of, I think, I think it's six players you're playing against. And you can usually, you can get a match in, in about 30 minutes. Um, and like, again, when the battle's happening, I mean, it probably helps to watch to see if you've made some really bad decisions, but you can like, I've, I've left the room. You can actually, <laughs> you could start playing. And I've had this happen. I started playing and then someone came to the door and I came back like 15 minutes later and like my game was still going, I was doing really bad, <laughs> but it was still chugging along. Yeah. Uh, so it's like this, it's this weird, uh, interesting, I, I'd highly recommend just to get a sense of what auto chess is. I'd highly recommend checking out one of these. And I, again, I like team fight tactics. Yeah. I, I played auto chess, uh, the, the Dota version, um, when it was sort of happening, you know, it sort of just started happening. I was like, what is this? This feels like the next big thing. It's going to be the next big genre. You know, we had MOBAs and we had, you know, Battle Royale. This feels like it's also based on a mod, you know, it feels like, yeah, yeah, this is where it's happening now. Uh, and I, I remember hearing that League had its own version, but I hadn't ever checked it out. I didn't even make the connection with the name, but um, yeah, it's a cool idea. It's a really slick idea. And um, I'm surprised that this hasn't really caught on as a bigger genre than I, I think. There's the only two that, at least that I know of. But um, it's a really slick thing. Christian, have you have you heard of Auto Chess? Yeah, I have some friends that have been uh, sucked into its warm embrace as well. But I have purposefully stayed away. I think because of that. I think it's this yeah. balance of like, oh, you know, just it's you know, you, you got to understand some stuff. But then once you get in, it's just kind of a thing to check in. Like those types of games to me are the worst types of games because <laughs> it's always the game that I can only need to play for a little bit that I end up playing for a lot of it. So I try to <laughs> try to keep those at arm's length. Awesome. Yeah, man. I, 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 I gotta check this out. Uh, as I know it's free as well. So that's cool. Uh, Christian, what's on your playlist? Well, I've been using this time of kind of release lulls and, um, a little bit of a holiday break to dive into some things that, uh, I hadn't spent as much time with, and I wanted to spend more time with. So I was playing more destiny Two, um, and spending time with shadow keep proper, and Destiny 2 on which platform, Christian? 
PC, PS4, and Stadia. Oh, all three. You're not just all Stadia all the time? No, it's cross. So if I'm in my office, I'm playing on my PC. Right. Uh, I wanted to do a one-on-one comparison of PS4 and Stadia and kind of see which one I liked. So I kind of bounced between the two. For me, playing on the Chromecast on my TV um, and PS4 felt pretty much the same, but I kind of used PS4 and it was on my TV. And then when my kids were watching something, uh, I was playing on Stadia on my computer. And the cross-save you know, capability of, of Destiny 2 is incredible, where it, it doesn't really matter. I do feel the difference from PC and console and Stadia because of the frame rate difference um, in the rig that I'm driving. But I have fallen back into my love-like. It's not a love-hate. It's a love-like relationship with the game. Um, and as someone who came to it uh, really appreciating what Destiny 2 did, I liked Destiny 2, and I know that a lot of people were upset with it having a end game final build kind of approach. To me, that was a nice you know bow that I got to put on the game and <laughs> have my life back. Um, since then, of course, they've tweaked that and changed that and made a lot of changes that the hardcore fans have really liked. And while I enjoy the narrative experiences, I really liked Forsaken and the story that it told. Um, and I recently replayed through all of that because when Shadow Keep came out, they allowed you to go back and, and replay those parts if you wanted to. Um, and so I did that and then I started playing the Shadow Keeps story stuff. And I know it's like a longer year long thing with seasons and all of that, but man, Forsaken is so good and so much care was put into I feel like telling another big grand story um within that universe that Shadow Keeps story really feels like uh or single player, you know, campaign, air quote campaign mode really feels like stringing together open world events where it's like, you did it. Now go get five sheep. And I'm like, oh, I fool me once uh, MMO and MMO like games, but I keep coming back to it. I think for me, destiny two and shadow keep now is filling that. I only have 20 minute, you know, gaming session kind of thing, which often does become longer, but like, should my kids come in or I was playing yesterday and before we had, um, some other families over to for a good game night. And I was like, you know what? If they come over early and have to turn it off, no problem. If they come over an hour late, no problem. And so it's really fit nicely for having family over, having friends over in that holiday rhythm. And I still like the game. I mentioned it earlier, uh, Witcher 3. I am that uh, expletive. <laughs> I went back to the game after watching it on Netflix. I am also, I think we've talked about it on the show, Jeff. I have played uh, Blood and Wine. I want to say Blood and Truth, but that's the PSVR game. I, I have played that. I had never played the f- original really? Witcher 3. I did not know that. Really? Yeah. Wow. I jumped because I forget whenever it came out, um, I kind of put it off, put it off, put it off. And then I bought it on console um, on one of those sales, you know, a year ago when it was like the complete edition on PS4 or whatever and played through blood and truth, blood and truth. Wah, I do I do, I do it. Blood and wine. And cause you can start right there, right. In that complete yeah, edition. Yeah. Loved it. And then it always felt weird to go back and play the other stuff. Oh, but it's so good, dude. Well, so I, I am that person now that I was like, I want to play it again. I also, Brian hovered over it on switch so yeah. many times is that is that talk me out of it like i shouldn't do that right i should not buy that on switch right well it depends I mean, on how much time you spend gaming where you can only be on your switch you know what i mean yes, like if you're right. out and about like riding on subways and doing stuff then yeah by all means 
I have a friend who has it on Switch and they love it. It is a black magic port. Like, yeah. is it the best version of the game? No, of course not. But it's shockingly good. Like, one, the game's incredible. And that Switch port, especially if you're playing on handheld mode, in my opinion, it's shockingly good. But Christian, are you playing on PC mostly? Yes, because I remembered I already owned it on PC. <laughs> have you done the thing that you absolutely have to do, which is download all the mods? I, I started, remember when I told you before we were recording that I spent like several hours yesterday? <laughs> oh, that's what you did? Well, I was, There's so I, many graphical enhancement mods on PC that really, it's incredible. really distance it, it from the uh, Switch version. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. So I've spent a lot of time tinkering with those and, you know, getting my mod hub together. But most of the playing to this point has been just on my PC that now I can have everything maxed out and even not running any of those mods. It's still, those vistas are breathtaking. Yeah. It is a stunning game, even without those mods. So I'm excited to spend time uh, with those mods. And I, I, I mean, it holds up too. like I, blood and wine, you know, felt like a brand new game. Um, and I think refined some of the systems or some of the leveling, I guess I should say of which are three wild hunt, vanilla it seems like but playing through it now it, it you know no you know preaching to everyone's choir it is a masterpiece absolute masterpiece yeah man in the last game kind of makes you excited this, about uh cyberpunk doesn't it i don't know <laughs> yes because it's a you know the same developer right but no because it's first person and totally different yeah but they know how to make a good game yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> All right. What else you got on there? <laughs> Lastly, uh, and I am playing this on Switch, is uh, Minecraft, which you, I know, dove into years and years ago. Yeah. And I've only dabbled with. Um, but my co- my cousin, uh, my nephew, is super into it on his Switch. And my kids are very Minecraft curious. So I needed to do the good dad-uncle thing and put some time in myself. Um, I still don't quite understand it. So I'm hoping either one of you. <laughs> oh my God. We're going like, to explain Minecraft to a dad. That's the next segment we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Netflix series. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. I, I, I think I like free play free mode or whatever it's called. Um, but I, I don't understand, like, trying to get my kids into it, right? This, I don't need help me getting into it. I'm trying to show my kids the love for it that my nephew has for it. You Wait, you and, only understand free mode or you don't understand free mode? No, I understand free mode. I understand survival. Like, I get the basics, but I don't quite understand how to share the love and if I don't have it natively. I don't dislike the game, but I feel like it's me explaining a math problem, <laughs> you know, if that makes sense, versus, like, the the light of it did you ever find did either of you ever find the light in it oh yeah my son was my son's uh 18 now so he's a little past that phase but he was so into minecraft uh when it first came out and i think the thing that he loved doing and that we would do together a lot was just you know build stuff build a build a fort basically it's legos Um, right it's legos yeah, yeah yeah i mean and like the idea of like for me survival mode is the mode i like because I still remember the first time I played it 
and not knowing anything about it because again, I try to ignore all the information. And I went in and I like was so proud of myself that I dug a little cave yeah. and then a creeper <laughs> came up and blew me up and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is the best game ever. <laughs> I had that exact experience. I was playing with a couple of friends and we were it was the first night that fell. It's like, oh, get to shelter, get to shelter. They're coming, you know, and it's just these goofy, you know, block creatures, but it, it felt so fun to feel like we were all trying to survive the night. You just like, okay, build, build, build quick, quick, quick. Okay. Block up the door, block up the door so they can't get in. You know, that kind of thing was so fun. That's what hooked me. It wasn't even, it wasn't even the buildings, even though I love Lego, but the, the building stuff was secondary to just that fun survival thing. And now, you know, cut to however many years later, survival is a whole genre and there's many, many, yes. many ways to ha- get that experience. But it was one of the first times that I had that kind of, we have to figure, we have to improvise a way to get through this that the game isn't prescribing. It's just, you have a tool set and you have to figure out how to not die. So good luck. I thought that was so clever at the time. Yeah, yeah it, it is. And I think what maybe my kids are just my kids. <laughs> Because <laughs> my oldest, who's only uh, like seven, almost seven and a half, she was like, "What do I do?" And I was like, well, "You can do whatever." It's kind of it's kind of like Lego. You can build over here. She said, "So what happens when I finish?" And I'm like, "Well, are you finished? Like, you don't have to finish." I she's think, like, hmm. "I do." I think the survival mode is. I don't know how how your kids are if they get scared or whatever, but the I think that for me that was the hook of understanding. Hmm. Okay. In order to continue to survive, I'm going to have to get better technology here. And in order to get better technology, I need to start doing this, this, and this. So it, right. it, it's a cool pathway uh, along those lines. Yeah, it gives then, you yeah. the reason, the reason yeah. to keep playing. Right. Yeah. And, and, then, interesting. and then they'll be playing Conan Exile. and <laughs> <laughs> um, My four-year-old already loves that. She's yeah, really yeah, yeah. into it. Yeah. Into the naked mods. Yeah. <laughs> and Rust. Big fan of Rust. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. For me, I think what I find fascinating about it, it is it's the first instance of, of uh, and, you know, old gamer talking old talk, but of like wanting them to find the love in it, but not being the best coach for it. Where like, yeah, my nephew loves it. I don't dislike it, but I'm clearly not as I haven't been playing it, you know, around them before. And so I'm trying to encourage their curiosity around it but also not the best person to like champion it and it's an interesting lens for me to view video games through for for the rest of my life i'd always been the other side of that right like you you, let's talk about it this is why it's awesome let's do it we're gonna do this thing you gotta try vr you know you're gonna get in here check out this graphics card check out this retro thing and here i'm like yeah this is an awesome game uh you know your cousin loves it do you love it (laughs) it's interesting but the switch port uh you know it's bringing us all together so i like that part of it yeah, it is on everything that's a good it's on everything uh before we get to my playlist i want to thank our second sponsor which is quip oh man i love my quip i love my quip christian you're on that quip train now too right that is something that i can explain the love about 100 <laughs> percent <laughs> who knew that a toothbrush would change your life i I'm, I'm not even joking i love my quip my son uses his quip. I just brushed his teeth with the quip. It's great. Here's the thing about quip. It is made really, really well. It is easy to store because it comes with this cool little like mirror attachment thing, keeps it up off your countertop. Love that about it. But the best thing about it, it again, soft bristles, you know, doctor recommended yada, 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 all the good thing about your teeth. But the best thing about it is it saves my brain. 
because I don't have to think about how long I brush my teeth because I tell you my whole life up until I got my quip, I did not brush for the prescribed two minutes that the dentists recommend, but quip pulses for me. It vibrates. It has vibrating bristles and they pulse every 30 seconds. And after two minutes, they turn off. So I can turn off my brain and not have to worry about how long has it been? Did I get my whole mouth? I just keep going through four pulses and then it turns off and I know I'm done. And because it's forcing me to do two minutes, I get full coverage of my mouth and I get a more complete dental hygiene regimen. It's way, way better. It's way, way better. Plus, I have also been guilty my whole life of brushing with the same brush for way too long until it's completely useless, but I'm too lazy to go get a new brush. Well, with the Quip subscription, every three months, as is prescribed by dentists, a new brush head and new toothpaste come to you in the mail automatically. It's so simple, right on schedule, and you just pop it off. It's like a piece of tech. It's really cool. It just pops off, pop on the new one, and you're good to go. It feels great. It's just it's just better. It's just the best toothbrush I've ever had. And Quip starts at just 25 bucks and you get your first refill free when you go to getquip.com slash DLC. It's a simple way to support our show and start brushing better. But you have to go to getquip.com slash DLC to get your first refill free. So go right now, getquip.com slash DLC. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash DLC. All right. Um, so I have continued to play Control. I'm still loving it. If you heard our episode last week, or no, excuse me, two weeks ago, you know that I made it my number two game of the year. And we as a show made it the show's game of 2019. And I think deservedly so. It is only continuing to entertain me as I get closer to the end. But as much as I sing its praises and we as a show sing its praises, there are a couple of things that are big gripes. And that's kind of what I want to focus on when I talk about it a little bit today. We already talked about the, the map being frustrating for no good reason. It just seems like a layer that could have iterated on and gotten better, or they could have just gotten rid of it altogether and just relied entirely on in-game cues and signage, which would have been a cool thing to do, but it's neither of those things completely. And it's just, it's just frustrating. More than that, I think it is an example of, a really cool loot and upgrade system that falls flat because of a thing that most games do, or very few games do well. And that is make upgrades and mods interesting. If I get a new mod that's rare instead of the uncommon or common one I just got, and the difference is it gives me 15% of something instead of 12%, that's not exciting. In fact, I don't even know what that is. I have no clue what 4% of a thing is compared to 12%. I know it's a bigger number and I want bigger numbers. They're about teraflops. Teraflops, yeah. I know I want bigger numbers. I get it. I am a much, much of a, a RPG nerd as I am. I want the plus two sword instead of the plus one sword. I get it. I get it. But that's not particularly exciting. And it really makes plugging new stuff in or getting new stuff. I mean, I'm looking in every nook and cranny as I play control, opening boxes, even the process of opening boxes is cool. It's like they explode in a gaseous, you know, eruption. It's cool. And then what pops out is a mod that does the same thing as another mod. It's uh, your 
zoom efficiency is 12 percent. like what who cares you have that one i've been looking for that for years You, you, you get what i'm saying do you get what i'm saying i do and i'm gonna say something that's you know maybe blasphemy um let it go I, I feel like those, and I don't know this, this isn't like developer insight, but it does, it feels like that was kind of added. Like it's not, to me, it was not a core part of the, like, yeah, I'm not searching to find those things. I, I pick them up occasionally. I'd be like, oh, let me see what I have. Um, but I'm exploring for the lore or for the story, for the journals, for the notes, like that stuff. It felt like, I think the game could completely get rid of them and it would be just as great of a game. Well. A, that's a cop-out. And B, I'm kind of trying to make a broader point because control is certainly not the only culprit here. I think this is a very common problem that a lot of games have where they want to give you this cool upgrade system. They want to give you loot that's interesting. They want to give you stuff to constantly be upgrading. Role-playing games have it. Action role-playing games certainly have it a lot. And so many of them rely on this little stat boost and uh, extra numbers or whatever and so few of them communicate why that's cool in any effective way. And it's a gripe that I have that's more than just control. It's certainly bad in control or, or prominent in control, but it's not, they're not, it's not the only game that, that does that. And I think it's something I wish developers would think about a little bit better and try to make them more meaningful. When you get something, let it break a rule or do something unique or interesting. Or if that's too difficult, at least... Show me why 12, what 12% does. Why, why do I care? Is that a big, like the thing that's particularly problematic in control is that I can only put certain number of mods on any given weapon type and I'm choosing between 12% in, uh, you know, explosion radius or 15% in, uh, impact or something. And both of them are absolutely meaningless i have no idea which one is the more potent upgrade and i don't want to start googling it to find somebody that did the math i the game should communicate it to me and i wish more games did i'm so i'm curious i i too saw this i first off i should say i'm a huge remedy fan uh and i've absolutely been loving control but uh i got i actually haven't finished it i got to a point uh pretty late in the game where I realized, I believe, uh, because it's such a massive like choke point for me, I kept dying, that I actually had to go back and do the things that you're both sort of talking about, which is hunt for these sort of upgrades, because I guess I wasn't powerful enough. And it, it illustrated a couple of things. First off, how boring it is to do that. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I had spent the entire game up to that point doing exactly what you both said, which is, like, kind of ignoring it and just like, oh, okay, whatever. I have these things that have all these weird little upgrades, not paying attention. And then when I hit that wall, like, suddenly I'm panic, you know, panicking. And, like, every time I play through and die, I'm like, okay, let me let me try the 14% one. Maybe that'll make a difference. <laughs> and And, like, I finally was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go back. And do other stuff because I guess I'm not strong enough. But like it really underlines the fact that they haven't done a good job illustrating like I'm 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 sure that I've there's something I'm missing because there's no so, way. I, I don't think so, Brian. Unfortunately, <laughs> no, don't a, tell me that. <laughs> I think I know where you are. I I if it is the place I'm thinking of, and I won't say it because I don't think Jeff's there, but I helped a friend get past that part because they couldn't do it. And they're like, I'm gonna put the game down. I'm like, no, 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 let me just let me do this for you. Um, and we did, and they kept playing. Um, I 
beat the game without two powers unlocked. Wow. Um, but what what percentage of I what? don't know. <laughs> I didn't I didn't pay attention to any of that. Um wow, it's there it's... are there is one and in my opinion two uh very hard encounters late in the game that there are other that that feel like a, a real challenge spike difficulty increase. There are a couple of side you know, non-required bosses that I think are also significantly harder than some others in the game, but you don't have to see those. And so I think if you kind of haven't seen some of those things and had to um, figure out your combat dance um, and or get lucky, there is one instance towards the end of the game that is just, in my opinion, a large difficulty spike, unfortunately. Is it, is it where you start in a thing and you have to go down a long tunnel that's swirling around to get to it? Or is that, no. am I not there yet? No, this is, the one I'm talking about has you going up ever increasingly uh, increasingly yes. high platforms <laughs> you're so close to the end brian you're i know so i close. am i know I, oh the worst part is I, I mentioned before we started that i rebuilt my computer and i realized i may have lost my save which oh I, no I, I know i don't even want to think about it <laughs> oh that's brutal oh uh, but that's okay i love the game so I, I could play it again and getting to that point won't take me to nearly as long as getting past that point so <laughs> yeah that's true yes i could send you my save i wonder no i can't do that i appreciate it though yeah that sounds like a transgression some in some weird way yeah that's (laughs) yeah you suck just get better at the game uh yeah anyway i i love the game and i don't mean to just harp on the negative but that is something that irks me about it and it irks me about a lot of games what's what's the solve and brian i'm curious if you have a solve here i because i I understand Jeff, but like the game breaking, that's fun and cool, but that you have to design around that in such big ways. Um, like Jeff, in your mind, and we can move on if you have other stuff you want to talk about too, we don't need to belabor it, but I'm curious what you think the solve is. Cause as, as I listen to you and I agree that in control to me, they felt pretty meaningless, but I just kind of forgot they happened. Um, but you know, that's, that's everything in destiny. <laughs> everything. Well, I'll, tell that, I'll tell you a game that does it really, really well. And that is borderlands. Uh, Borderlands communicates to you. I mean, probably because you're getting loot so often it communicates to you a, here's the damage you're going to be doing with this thing, but you know, take all stuff into into consideration. Here's the base damage you're going to be doing with this thing. And then it also says, here's these weird, funny, cool things that the game, that the gun does that maybe makes it more fun than something that does more damage. So it, 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 it actually, behaves in a way that makes the upgrade feel useful like oh this one pops out a health potion or a health whatever uh, every time you shoot a headshot or this one you know shoots a grenade up in the air and if you shoot the grenade it explodes so it does cool like i say it break it lets you break the rules of the world in some interesting way that maybe i would want to use that instead of the one that just does pure more damage but it it does both it communicates like you know, brass tacks, here's the damage that this thing does. And also here's the other weird thing that it potentially can do. And I think both of those are ways that for me, upgrades in games, not just new guns, but upgrades in in a variety of ways, like add a mod to a thing. It should be interesting. It shouldn't just be, oh, now you got 12% instead of 10%. Or if you're going to give me 12% instead of 10%, I need to know exactly what that means for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, I think that 
that's a good point. I think that would change the game so drastically because like that is that is Borderlands. That's the entirety of that game is like, oh, let's go get some cool guns and see what they do in my right. mind. Yeah. Um, I feel like what the solution for control is to sort of back away and not like they, the, the level of specificity is really problematic. That's the problem. If they didn't say it was 12% and they just said, you know, just get stuff and it'll make your gun better. <laughs> I think, I think that'd be a lot better because when they start to get that nitty gritty, it part of your mind wants to do the math and, and it's mm. impossible. And I think that that's where the problem is because then, and like, there is a lot of weirdness in, in that upgrade system where it's like, it, it's really hard to figure out, uh, not just like with the numbers, but like, what is this really doing? You know, right. e- even, even the, like, it's obvious what the different gun forms do, but even to some degree, there's a little bit of it there where you're like, well, should I use this gun or this gun? Right. Yeah, totally. And there's like a, I think Shatter is the one that's like the shotgun form. Mm-hmm. And th- there's a specific upgrade to that one where it's like adds two extra bullets to the, sh- it's like, well, what does that do? Is that, is that, what does it do? I don't know what <laughs> any, the game does not communicate to me why I would want that upgrade at all. It gives you a bigger clip. No, 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 no. It, not that, no, it literally, it's like the shotgun pellets. There's two extra pellets. Yes. So, oh, really? Yes. So it's like, <laughs> does that mean I'm going to get, 20% more damage when I shoot or I don't understand. I don't even, I can't even grok what that is even telling me. And that's so funny. You mentioned that. Cause I remember I actually got a perk like that. I remember in my mind, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how yeah. many pelts did I have before? Right. Shot? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You get two more. Is, does that mean I'm up to 10 now? Five. Everyone know. knows that a floating person strapped to a chair upside down needs at least 18 pellets to take down. <laughs> yeah. So yes. if you only have 16 pellets, Jeff, I know. You know, I need more make pellets. Make sure you you change your spread with yeah. another mod. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, it's all so unspecific and I don't know. Anyway, it's, it it bothers me. It just seems like a missed opportunity, quite frankly. Like I'm saying, it's not it's not ruining the game, but it Yeah. It a lot of games do it and it's I think it's a blind spot that developers have of like, oh, cool you know this one will be better but i don't i don't want to just vague better it's just it's uninteresting for me to add because then i'm not excited when i get a new vaguely better because it's like oh wow this one's rare or super rare and it's 18 percent instead of 15 it's like oh i guess only the rare ones get that high in the percentage it's yeah i feel like games having that now are kind of like games having multiplayer before like it's just like something games need to have right. it's like an upgrade a skill yeah. tree and a thing and like some do it better than others and sometimes I don't need to worry about it and I'm okay with it. <laughs> well, you're much too cavalier about this topic. <laughs> um, you should see my Witcher build. <laughs> <laughs> the other game I want to talk about, I, we don't really have time because I want to get to other juicy stuff. But uh, I, at the at the uh, recommendation of several listeners of the show, I did download AI Dungeon 2 on iOS. Have either of you guys experimented with this yet? No, I've heard okay. about it, but I haven't experimented. You both have to. It, it, it's free. Uh, it's on iOS and probably on uh, Android as well. I don't have an Android anything, so I don't know, but I imagine it is. Um, it's wild. And even if you only play with it for five minutes, I think it's going to blow your mind. That Especially people our age that have been in video games as long as we have, that this is possible on our phone. It's just bonkers to me that like, oh, this is the future. The future's here. Um, it's a text adventure, which doesn't make it seem like the future. It makes it seem like the past, but it's a text adventure 
that crafts a unique story to you based on whatever you tell it. Literally, you can type in anything and it will use what you say to make a semi-coherent story. So it prompts you. And in the old days, you know, when I played Zork and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and all those old Infocom games, you had like a series of, I don't know, 16 different commands, move, look, pick up, all those things. And you would type those things, but you had whatever it was, 16 different commands. And that's what you could do. This game is just write full sentences and it understands that. Well, it, it pretends to understand them and it, it does it well enough that it crafts a semi-coherent story from moment to moment. I mean, you can break it in certain ways where it'll sort of contradict itself, but I was doing, I was trying to come up with the most outside of the box way to deal with every situation that it gave me. And it'll do it in a variety of genres. You can do like a, you know, a sword and sorcery one, a post-apocalyptic one, a sci-fi one, a Western. There's all these different, you start at the beginning. It's like, you know, what, what kind of game do you want to play? You know, what genre, uh, you know, what, who are you? What kind of thing are you? And then you start and it says, okay, you wake up in a room and here, here's the things that you see. And you start on this adventure and you just type in full sentences, whatever you want. You don't have to adhere to any kind of, uh, rigorous command set. I mean, I was telling it to, uh, I was, I was talking in such like esoteric vague terms and it was, it was reacting in ways that made sense. It was wild, wild AI dungeon Two, worth playing with. I don't think it's satisfying in the sense that you, uh, you know, you're going to complete a story that will be awesome necessarily it's not like this they set out to have something that you finish but when you do finish it you have this wild tale that went all these wacky places because it's just based on your imagination really it incorporates it's like playing dungeons and dragons with a human being because that it's like in, in incorporating what you bring to the table anyway i was That's, amazed it's scary yeah it's, <laughs> it is a little scary it reminds me of, uh, do you remember, you, you played text adventures. Do you remember when Alice in Wonderland came out, the Dex text adventure? Oh, Did you yes. ever play? And that was one of the first games that like un- seemingly allowed you to type things other than, you know, three verbs. Right. Uh, granted, most of the time it just would get offended at what you typed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe that was just me. I don't know. <laughs> there, was a, there was an old DOS app that I spent way more time in than I should have called Eliza. I don't know if anybody remembers that. I think it was called Eliza, 90% sure. Um and it was literally just uh, a Turing test as a game. It was just oh, right. talk to this thing, like type whatever you want, and it'll try to respond in ways that make it seem like you're talking to another person. And it often was just like, yeah, I know you're right about the – and then it would fill in what you just wrote or you know, it would do <laughs> simple tricks to do that. And this game has some of that, but it's way more sophisticated in how it incorporates things. I was like, at one point I told it, stare into the mirror and then tell myself that I was never here in the first place. And it like crafted this whole story about me doing that. It was, I was coming up with the most bizarre things to have it, have my character do. And it was working. I mean, it was, it it wasn't doing anything that was wildly, uh, like it didn't understand at all what I was saying, you know? So. I look gonna, forward to it f- winning its Golden Globe next year. It's- <laughs> yeah, no, right? <laughs> we're going to find out it's actually a sweatshop somewhere with a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> this guy wants me to talk about the mirror thing again. Oh, oh man. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right, Christian. It is like, oh, 
how many years away from you don't even need people to make entertainment? Zero. Yeah, zero years. It's it's here. Anyway, AI Dungeon Two. It's harmless. Download it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, let us let us transition now to our games of the decade. Uh, and you know, we only do top fives here at DLC, not top tens. So we're only going to do five. And I thought Brian Crescente here is here. What better person to give us a top five of the decade than he? Uh, so I, I think this is a perfect time. I know a lot of people were like, Hey, you guys did your, your top five of 2019, but we are starting a new, you know, new number decade. And we want to hear your, your games of the decade. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it because you demanded it, dear viewer, listener, whatever you are. Um, so let's jump in now. You demanded it. So we gonna do it when you demand it. That's when we gonna do it. That's all right. That's a good bumper, Christian. Thank you. Uh, impromptu bumper, Christian Spicer. Let's just talk about our top five of the decade, the 2010s. So, you know, decades actually start with one, so it should be whatever. You know, going from- you know actually, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah 2010 <laughs> to 2019, games that were released from 2010 to 2019. Brian Crescente, what is your five games that you would value above all others, your favorites? Now, there's a lot of way- different ways you can do this list. I didn't give you any guidelines. You're more than welcome to do it however you want. Christian and I tend to go with our favorites, not the games that we think were like the most important, not the games that we think had the biggest impact, although perfectly valid way to do it if that's the way you choose. But these are the games that we loved the most. So that's what we're doing it. What was your criteria? The exact opposite. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's perfect. I love it. I, I, I'm sort of analytical, you know, I like, uh, in my mind and, and like, it was such a good decade for, yes. for, for games. Yeah. I mean, making a list of five is insane. I, I actually love it when people do that though, because it, it makes it so much more fun to discuss because you have to leave that sixth one off. Um, but yeah, in my mind, like what I like to do is think about like, what were the games that most influ or most influential or biggest deals for the the decade um i think gta 5 absolutely has to be on there not just because it was a fantastic gta game but it changed gta online which is part of gta 5 absolutely completely changed rockstar and made it a different now company on game pass yeah it's like it's a huge it's it's a big deal i mean it's, by all accounts it's going to be the, a big game in the next decade as well it has no signs of stopping you know no, not and it's like yeah it's crazy how popular GTA Online is. And I'm assuming people still are messing around with five, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then another one, Red Dead Redemption. I know I'm putting two by Rockstar on there, but um, like, you know, two, I, two, probably arguably two is better than the first, but the first was so out of left field in terms of how good it was. I don't think yeah. people expected it to be as good as it was. Um, and it was this amazing Especially for that franchise, right? Like the, yeah, the that's what I was about to air say. quote first one was like, what the what? third or the second? What? Yeah. That, yeah, the, the, that red dead and, and yeah, you're absolutely right. The red dead franchise was a cool, cool franchise, but it was, I think it was Capcom. Is that right? That they, did? yeah. And yeah. It, was, it was a fun game, but it was not like you weren't expecting Red Dead Redemption to come out of that, right. <laughs> out of <Yeah>. that franchise. <laughs> Still um, one my, of the great endings of all time, I think. Oh man, I you know, so I I distinctly remember that. So that's a year that Black Ops came out, um, and 
the reason I mentioned that is because I was at Kotaku at the time and the way we did things, we picked our games of the year and then we had to defend them in written posts. Everybody on staff picked Red Dead Redemption. I picked Black Ops. <laughs> I, I lost. Um, <laughs> but like part of the rule was uh, when we did the sort of early process of figuring out what was going to be sort of the finalists is that we all had to go and play each other's games. So I played all the way through Red Dead Redemption and came back and I was like, eh, you know, I, I thought it was okay. And they're like, did you finish it? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, no, really? Did you finish it? I'm like, yes. I got to the real ending. I still didn't think it was that good. <laughs> I know I'm in the minority here, but yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was neat, but it was, I don't know. I'm curious. Why, why did you think the, the ending was so, without ruining it for people who maybe didn't play it 10 I, years, nine years ago? They're waiting for the Netflix show. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I, I thought it packed an emotional wallop. I, I really, it really struck me. I, I was moved by it. I truly was. And um, the, I mean, what, what did the, the, the sort of false end, the, the first end, if you can call it that of that game was cool, super cool. I thought, Oh, well, that's an interesting way to deal with a big boss. It's not what I thought would, would happen. And then the, like, I don't the denouement or whatever you want to call it. The epilogue uh, was, so moving and so interesting and such a it made me contextualize the things that i had done in the game in a different way uh and i know people speak of red dead redemption 2 in the same way and and i'm impressed with that i just i'm never going to get there with that game i just it did not it, it did not i didn't have the patience for that game so i'm so excited for you both to play more control <laughs> <laughs> i i cannot like uh alan wake i i actually I probably will just I will do it. I'm going to put Alan Wake on my list too. I love nice. Alan Wake. Yeah. Oh man, it's such so a good. great game. It's so good. You know, the thing that's so good about it to me is the fact that they I, rarely have I seen a game do such a good job of creating the feeling of episodic television. Yeah. Um down down to like, you know, the cutscene music or the end of episode music. Um and, and like, it was almost so good that it undermined the ability for you to stop at those episodes. Cause like I didn't, <laughs> I, I like binged it, which is so weird because that's what you do with games. But in this case, it felt like I was, you know, doing something I shouldn't do because it was such a good game. Yeah. I just, oh man, I love that. And the central mechanic of using the light and the weapon at the, yeah. you know, going yeah. back and forth between them, it was so fun and such an interesting, unique take on that. Oh man, I, uh, and you know, Alan Wake 2, maybe one day, maybe one day we'll get an Alan Wake 2. <laughs> maybe, maybe now this control is kind of a, a hit or a critical darling, maybe. Well, well this is in no way a spoiler, but yeah. the one of the story single player uh, DLC things for Control is clearly Alan Wake. Oh, like, yeah, I don't I know mean, what, they mentioned what it's it. going to be, but it's him yeah. holding a flashlight. Right. Like, and there's there's like one of the files mentions uh, – what is it called in Control? The events? What do they call them? I've suddenly forgotten. Is it just events? The Where, objects of power and places of power? That kind Places of, of power. Yeah. They mention uh, wherever – I've forgotten where Alan Wake took place now, but they mention that as a place of power. Oh, um, oh that's cool. Yeah, yeah so that it's – it's funny. So Sam Lake, when it when Control came out, I made a joke about it to Sam Lake on Twitter, saying, "You know, I'm I'm coming to visit you if if Control isn't actually Alan Wake too." And he was like, <laughs> "All right, I'm ready for your visit." And it's like, "But it is. You're a liar. This is Alan Wake too." Yeah, I think I think that Control and Alan Wake seem to be in the same universe, and 
yeah, it's doing so well that it would be crazy for them not to somehow maybe not revisit it, but I could see them um, re-exploring uh, some some of the context of Alan Wake through what's going on, what happened with Control. Yeah. Um, I mean, it feels like a spiritual successor to those games for sure. Yeah. Oh, and, and yeah. Anyway, so Alan Wake uh, absolutely adored it, loved it, um, wish they had to, they didn't. Um, Minecraft, I think mm-hmm. you have to put that on your list. Um, I, it was a fantastic game, but it had such a tremendous impact on, on gaming. Uh, de- I think on development, on the way people play games, who plays games, the way people talk about games. Um, it was sort of the predecessor in many ways to Fortnite in terms of like suddenly letting the world know that a lot of people play video games. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the generation that grew up with Minecraft as their first love, as their Pac-Man or their, whatever you want to say, you know, their Mario, um, just thinks about games in a different way. They, they expect a different thing out of games. And I, and it, it's in a very exciting thing from my perspective. And as those, as that generation inherits the medium and starts creating it, they already have, but the, I think the things we're going to see with the medium are going to continue to be based on that idea of, oh, I should be able to make anything, do anything. It's a canvas, not a, not a narrative necessarily, not a story, not a, uh, not a movie. It's a, it's, it's more of a, a tool set. And I think that is really an exciting place for games to be in my opinion. I thought you were going to say it's an ocean, not a lake. That oh, even better. See, that's why you're the writer. That's why you're the writer. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, and you know, it's, I think now officially the most played game in history is like beat Tetris, yeah. which is crazy. If you think about it, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so my fifth, fifth pick, uh, there are about 20 games I'd like to put in the fifth slot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think dark souls, I think I have to, I, I, I love dark souls, but I, the thing I love most about it was that at a time when people were sort of developers seemed to be pushing away from the idea of games being too difficult Dark Souls was like, screw it, man. <laughs> We're gonna, yeah. I'm going to make you cry when you play this game. <laughs> and uh, it, there were so many people who took to it. And I think it reminded developers, some developers, that it's okay sometimes to, to be crazy difficult. And some people like punishing games. Yeah. I think the lesson, uh, for me, a lesson from the, that Souls style of game is, yes, difficulty, but it's purpose. And I think that's what's so important about a game is like have a design concept in mind and stick to your guns about it, but make sure there's purpose behind it as well, where there are difficult games that are just difficult for difficulty's sake, right? Like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, all of those games, you know, we see those people that run through it naked, right? Or the difficulty is there in the sense of you need to learn how to do it. It's not just here's a million spikes. There's only one way to get through this thing, right? It's like by you becoming a better player, you're progressing. And I think it was a tweak to what difficulty could mean in games again, versus, you know, this get through this mega man level by memorizing it. Um, Bloodborne and those Souls games. I can, <laughs> clearly, you can tell which one my favorite is. Because I keep saying Bloodborne. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dark Souls. You know what? How they tweaked what difficulty can be. I think is is something that we're seeing. You know, even in 
Star Wars games now, right? Like it's everywhere. Yeah. They uh, what's what's interesting also I think is in that design uh they did so many clever things even though it's a very difficult game especially in the first game where it was like oh yeah you know you're going to have to start all the way back here but oh hey look at this little back door that you opened up and it's going to shave like you know half the time off you having to get back to where you were so it was it was really smart smart design well, I'm super glad that Brian is here to put all the games on that we have to because they people would kill us if they didn't hear it on the show uh, because I have a feeling that some of those games are not going to be on either of our lists. Um, but before we get to your list, Christian, I want to thank our final sponsor, which is Brooklyn. And I, man, just two nights ago, we washed our sheets and put the Brooklyn's back on. I, I think like top three experiences in my life are – slipping into freshly laundered tightly uh, applied sheets and fresh new there's no wrinkles in them they just like on oh and brooklyn and sheets make that experience divine because i've never had sheets before brooklyn and i never had sheets that made me melt into my bed like brooklyn and it really is luxury bedding luxury bedding at a price that isn't what you would expect from that kind of crazy comfort. Uh, and you spend a third of your life in your sheets. Don't you want to be insanely comfortable? I certainly do. I love it. And I value sleep so much, especially now that I have young kids. Whew, I love sleep. And I love sleeping in my Brooklinen sheets. Brooklinen was founded in 2014 by a husband and wife that wanted to get that kind of luxury bedding stuff, comfort, into the hands of people without going through middlemen, without having that luxury price. And they do it online so they don't have to raise the prices to you know, have the, the kind of uh, markup that you see with luxury. They have uh, robes, they have loungewear, they have towels and more. And I genuinely love my Brooklinen sheets. Their mission is to make you comfortable. They certainly have made me comfortable. Uh, do you like softness, comfort? Essentials to help you relax. Brooklinen has it all. I couldn't recommend the products more for graduates, newlyweds, friends, or family. Treat yourself to a new you in the new year. You really deserve this. Get 10% off and free shipping anytime when you shop at brooklinen.com. When you use promo code DLC, that's 10% off. And Brooklinen is so confident in their product. That all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime guarantee. That's amazing. So there's no risk. So to get 10% off and free shipping, go to brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use promo code DLC. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. All right, Christian, back to our lists. Your top five of the 2010s. Go. Yeah, so you might have seen this is going around on Twitter, I don't know, maybe a month ago. It's like three favorite games of the decade. Yeah. Um, and if you saw my tweet, uh, you might think, hey, these are different. Yeah, because this is an impossibly difficult task that tomorrow it might be like right now, Dark Knight, favorite movie. Tomorrow, probably not. You know, <laughs> like it, it, it is so difficult to nail this down, I think, and to have a list that is chiseled in stone. But I will stand behind these right now and i will always argue them as favorite games of mine but they might as brian mentioned you know one of those millions of games that are in the sixth position 
uh, might crash the castle and take their spot. Christian Spicer, never believe anything I say. That's what that's basically <laughs> what you just said. I'm running for president. Um, <laughs> so in no order, I'm sorry. I wonder if I can put them in order. No, I'll try. I'll try. Yeah, I'll put them in order. Let's see. Five will be Telltale's The Walking Dead Season 1, which I think now it it almost kind of gets an eye roll from a lot of people. But I remember when that game first came out and talking about like Alan Wake doing episodic and doing it well, like Alan Wake all came out at once. But this was truly episodic. And I was clamoring for the next part to come out and when to play it. I remember we were doing Weekend Confirmed. It was my game of the year that year. And it felt so new and fresh. It was Telltale kind of reinventing themselves from uh, Sam and Max and kind of moving away from the classic point and click adventure. And now, you know, oh, every, all the store endings are the same. Twitches don't matter. But in the moment when I was playing it then real time, you know, and it was the zeitgeist, like those choices were excruciating and, and decisions I made and the, the people that I lost along the way, it really stuck with me. And I think because there were so many that did it, you know, Telltale's own that were very similar or the exact same formula. It's kind of worn thin. And then games like Life is Strange and others have kind of come and I think improved upon the formula in ways. Um, people are maybe forgetting it, but that first season of Walking Dead um, was a home run. Absolute yeah. home run. Yeah. Agreed. So that'd be that'd be five. Uh, four for me would be Destiny 2. Um, and that is in there, I think, just because of the amount of hours I've played and how I kind of keep going back to it while I realize it is not a perfect game. Someone in the chat here tonight as we were recording mentioned that it has mod problems also, like the gear and guns and stuff like that, I, I agree, are pretty easy to spec out and kind of see how you want to play. But like adding your little mods to it, it I mean, it's a far from perfect game, but it is the first game that I would, you know, help people with um like random people online i was jumping on to do strikes and raids and i saw all of the content in and about and i keep falling back into it with expansions um and i think it showcases bungie's best in class first person shooting chops um it's exquisite it's absolutely exquisite in my opinion um number three would be super mario galaxy 2 Mm. uh which didn't have the wonder of galaxy one um but i think it is the the superior game yoshi is incredible and i think the level design is far more interesting and and complex they were able to expand upon galaxy one in such fun and interesting ways and those spherical worlds were just were mind-bending absolutely mind-bending with what nintendo was able to accomplish put those games Uh, out on switch yes yes yeah. If this year's E3 was just Metroid tr- Prime Trilogy and Galaxy 1 and 2 on Switch, I think I, Nintendo would win E3 for me. <laughs> They're so good. Um, two would be Celeste. Wow. Um, I talk about it a lot. You've probably heard me talk about it a lot. Um, I listen to the soundtrack regularly. I think top to bottom, just an absolute incredible game. Gameplay, the story is powerful and moving. Um it it nails what it does, I think, better than any game out there. Like what it sets out to do, it nails so perfectly. And then number one is no surprise. What I texted you was how many games did Naughty Dog make in <laughs> this decade? Because <laughs> that'd be my top five. But number one is Last of Us. Um, I played it at a special time in my life after just becoming um, a dad myself to a 
child named Estelle, who we often called Ellie when she was little. Um, and it just really stuck with me. I think um, Uncharted, uh, what was the one that, uh, the last one? Um, Lost Legacy? Lost, Lost Legacy. That's really close for me. Cause I think that is kind of, in my opinion, the pinnacle Uncharted game, but it wouldn't exist without the others yeah. in so many ways. Um, it plays like a greatest hits album, I think. A wonderful greatest hits album. Uh, but The Last of Us was just, I loved the tension in the combat. I, I liked this, the amount of stealth that it had. I liked the amount of crafting that it had. Um, graphically, it blew me away at the time on PlayStation 3. I remember just looking at like the peeling wallpaper and buildings and environments and its pacing for being a fairly lengthy single-player campaign, but it had those moments where you got to take a breath and the giraffes and, and those moments. Um, just a beautiful game that I thought played very well also in a game I still think about you know from beginning to end today man this is amazing we that great list all both of you guys great list we have no overlap wow. zero overlapping games which is it's a good decade it shows you how good the decade is and how many really excellent choices and how impossible it is to pick five but i'm glad we're basically picking 15 uh, as, a, as a group <laughs> which and i have to say christian you cheated because you did mention a sixth game yeah. Oh, no fairs. Brian, I do no, that all the time. You're yeah, a cheater. He, I, he's, I, he, I, go ahead. That's kind of, that's kind of his, uh, that's kind of his brand. It's just <laughs> cheating, cheating in line. I got it. Yeah, I got yeah. it. <laughs> no, mention a sixth game specifically. That, just oh, that part, not the cheating in oh, line. I got you. Okay. So, no, I, I just want to mention, uh, because I'm going to go ahead and mention a sixth and seventh game then. No, I was just going to say, uh, <laughs> The Walking Dead uh, and Super Mario Galaxy, like in my top 10, like I'm happy you mentioned both of those because, I definitely, if, if I had a way of doing it, I would have put them on there too. So I definitely agree with you on both of those. Yeah. There's too many. This is so exciting that I get to do six. Now you guys, I'm just really, <laughs> really happy. Adding a, when you're all done, I'm adding a six. Just FYI. <laughs> um, all right. So my number five, boy, it was, a, it was a fierce fight for number five, but I have to go with portal two. Yes. Um, oh, that was so close on all yeah, of my lists. It's a yeah. good, it's a good game. It's extraordinary. I mean, I think it improves on Portal 1 in almost every respect. The narrative is amazing. It, you know, it's mind bending. It makes you feel like a genius when you do the thing that they intended you to do. You know, you feel like, I I figured this out. I'm the only one who's ever thought of this way to do it. Um, Yeah, it's beautiful. It has character. I mean, talk about something that entered into the the zeitgeist in such an interesting way. You know, obviously the first Portal did that, but this one with the, you know, the, the character of, uh, I can't remember the name of the character that one voiced by Steven Merchant. So great. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. so great. Portal two. Uh, he's no, actually directing the uncharted movie now. No, oh no. yeah. That's just happened 15 minutes ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I have to say the only reason I didn't put portal two on my list was because I just, I thought one was so two's a better gameplay experience, but one was so shocking in the way it came at you because yeah. you, you go into that game thinking you're playing a sort of like interesting puzzle game and this this narrative that's really powerful, like just completely sidelines you like you n- don't expect it at all. I agree. But Portal didn't come out in the 2010s. So it did. Yeah, know, I, know, I, know, <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. No, I agree with you, though. I agree with you. Uh, it was much more of a surprise, but it almost makes doing a sequel that much harder because you can't 
pull the same magic trick again. You know, you have to come up with a different way to make it special. And they did, they did. And that's kind of amazing in its own way. Um, my number four game is Skyrim. Just basically everything I love about role-playing games. I mean, Skyrim is on my list to like be a placeholder for like every role-playing game. It, it is, it is peak role-playing game for me. Uh, it's, it's a game I can get lost in. It's a game with where nooks and crannies and what's around the next corner really pays off and exploration is rewarded. And there are so many stories to be found. It feels like being in a world. And that is honestly why I started playing video games in the first place. I love the idea of transporting myself into another fictional place. And Skyrim does that better than most. It is uh, an amazing game and it, it, has a huge footprint in the decade as well. So I mean, it came out every year of the decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, number three is a very personal pick, uh, which I'm sure you guys aren't going to agree with. But for me, Lone Echo is by far one of the great video game experiences of the decade. Uh, I still think it's the best VR game available. It it is an extraordinary experience. I feel like I'm weightless. The movement in that game is unlike anything I've ever done, anything ever, ever done. It is unbelievable. The story is compelling. It is a pulse pounding, sweat inducing, exciting thrill ride where I don't kill anything. I'm literally not killing anything. And yet I'm on the edge of my proverbial seats the whole time you're standing standing up yeah uh lone echo is uh, chef's kiss it's wonderful um the number two game on my list is one that has only continued to grow in my estimation It, it it's amazing that it's on here based on the franchise that i couldn't have cared less about for most of its life assassin's creed odyssey i love that game and i still i still <laughs> think about it it's very recent yes it was a 2018 game but i spent so many hours in that world i loved being in that world every new place i mean i did every quest i could in that world every new place i went to just felt like such an interesting place to be these islands the boat combat the the fun uh, uh assassin uh, you know, moving up the ranks of the assassins guild, I guess it would be um, all of that sort of the, the gameplay hooks of how you do that. And the mystery, the central mystery of that game. I just, I love Assassin's Creed well, Odyssey. Well-performed. I didn't play as the dude, but the, the woman, um, She's great. Assassin was so well, per- I'm assuming the dude was too. I don't know, but the woman was so well performed, it, especially for a game that big. I know. Really, really well performed. What a job that must have been. I, see, that's the thing about it. I think Assassin's Creed games, it, they're, they're good games. And inevitably, if you play games, there is going to be one that really scratches that itch for you, like Pirates. Yeah, or, or you know, Roman soldiers, or Greece, the Renaissance. Yeah. Did I just make the Roman soldiers up? I did, didn't I? <laughs> well, whatever. I, I really couldn't get into an Assassin's Creed. I mean, I liked the number two um, for what it was, but the the franchise I always felt like it wasn't for me. I just I didn't love it. And then all of a sudden, Origins and Odyssey happened, and it's like, oh no, this is a big open world role playing game where you happen to be an assassin, but it's more about these role-playing stories. And I was like, Oh, now I'm into this. And so I love where the, 
the series has evolved to. I, I wasn't really always on board, but I always loved the settings because they were always so interesting and historical. But man, I love the games now too. Uh, and then my number one game of the decade, which is, you know, on my list of number, you know, best games ever, came out the same year as Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And that's God of War, the new God of War. Uh, it's it's so, it's perfect. It's It's so well made. The combat is endlessly satisfying. It feels like an extension of what I want to have happen. It's pitch perfect. The storyline is so well expressed. Uh, I feel like I'm hanging out with other actual characters. The 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 father son relationship resonates with me as as a father of a son. The world is beautiful and exquisite. The single shot mechanic, uh, the way the game is one yeah. uninterrupted shot, never been done before, and so effective. I mean, it's the 1917 of video games. It is. It is the 1917 is the God of War of movies, I guess. Um, <laughs> timely, timely reference. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, by the way, great movie. Um, yes, God of War, my favorite game of the decade. Uh, and I, I love the fact that we all had different games on our list. But I'm surprised Heroes didn't make, to give you a sixth game, Jeff. I'm surprised Heroes of the Storm didn't make it. Is it just because it died? No. I Did you consider I, it at all? Because you were, thought about it. You were if, mainlining it. If, if you had to do the games that I put the most hours in in the decade, it probably would be the number one game. But <laughs> wait, so wait, oh, that's really interesting. So one would assume that you'd put the most hours into the game you like most. <laughs> well, I, d- I didn't not like it. I certainly love the game. Uh, I feel like it's a weird thing when you come up with these lists, or at least I do. I have to put weight on – I mean, Heroes of the Storm, while a superbly designed and wonderful game, is a version of another company's game. It's, 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 a, it's a take – I mean, I guess all these are in, in their own way, but it just didn't feel as special as the other games on my list. It didn't feel as revolutionary as the other games on my list. Um, and well, also God of War ended and so did Assassin's yeah. I think I think there's a world, Brian, where Jeff would still be playing Odyssey if it hadn't ended. That's true. <laughs> right. That's true. Right. Right. But, I mean, here's the storm. Here's the storm as a soft spot in my heart, and it is a beautifully designed, wonderful, wonderful game. It just felt like you know, I don't know. It didn't feel yeah, as, no, I was just curious. Yeah. 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 But right. my my sixth game would have been what remains of Edith Finch, actually. But uh, that's oh, cheating. Interesting. That's cheating. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you my sixth then. Awesome. <laughs> Darkest Dungeon. Yes, that's a great game. Oh my game. God, I love that game. I love that it deals with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. It's it's like something I've always wanted a game to do. Yeah. And they did such a good job with it. Uh, it, it is just, and such a great setting. I, I just love that game. But again, you know, you can only choose five. I'm, cu- I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm curious if either of you feel like you missed out or if we missed out on mentioning you know, Overwatch sure. or, or Fortnite or Journey. Yes. Journey's not an anybody's list. I know. I got a lot of heat from my friend Dan about not adding Journey on my, when I had three, you know, we did on, Christian and I both did on Twitter with three. I love Journey. Journey is amazing. And, and it is a, a very unique experience. And it would be, it would be on a list of 10 for sure. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's too short to, 
I don't know. It, it didn't. It just didn't rank up there with the other games for me somehow. Um, but but yes, that's why next week if we do this again, I think there's a ch- my list will probably like Super Meat Boy. Yeah, 2010, incredible. How many games exist because of that game? Like yeah. it's infinitely impossible. And every game that you say right now, Brian, I'll probably be like, yeah, that's my number five. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it pained me not to get What Remains of Edith Finch on my list because. I don't know of another game that I think about in my everyday life as much as that game. It, that game like has in the way that I think about great films or TV shows that where I see, I have experienced a moment in my life and, and recall the movie or the book I read. That's what happens with what remains to be the Finch. I I'll be pushing my son on the swing and I'll think about that scene from that game or I'll be in the bathtub or, you know, be bathing my kids or whatever it, it, it stayed with me the the emotional ride I went through on that game, and I don't know very many games that I could say that about, if any others. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that's, that's a big part of Last of Us for me, and it's yeah. a game that I've I've replayed a couple of times, but I, I torn between wanting to like I played it quickly after the remastered came out, so like was that six months after? I don't know, it wasn't that long, um, and I kind of want to play it again before part two, but I also kind of don't i don't think it'll soil that memory but like yeah games like books or art any type of art you know a painting or a photograph like there's i think looking back at this decade there are so many incredible games that have resonated in such an, a, a powerful way for individual people that um if our listeners have lists i'd love a you know a thread to see this stuff and to see oh, yeah. what really stuck with people and for what reasons because as brian mentioned too like important games it's just like there are so many that are yeah. for have ever changed, like Rocket League, uh, Forza Horizon, yeah. um, PUBG. I think you got to go and, and Minecraft before that because Minecraft did uh, the um, uh, what's the uh, PUBG? What is that called? The genre Battle Royale. Minecraft Minecraft did a Battle Royale before anybody else. Also, like Pokemon Go. Um, yeah, a lot of important imp- stuff. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. I agree with you. I'd love in the subreddit. I hope somebody makes a, a thread and you all listeners post your top five of the decade. It's hard to narrow it down to five, but we don't we don't like to take it easy on ourselves. You know, we don't, we don't like to do that. Um, but we will take it easy on Brian now and get him to bed. I know he's on the East Coast. So we'll, we'll wrap the show up now, man. It has been so much fun having you on, Brian. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. This has been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. Well, we do have our parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Brian Crescente, tell people where they can keep up with you and your goings-on online. I think Twitter. Twitter. As, as much as I don't want to tell people to go to Twitter. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I'm writing a bunch of places. I'm doing a lot of consulting. But the, the easiest place to find me is Twitter. Or I actually do have a, a website. It's just Pad and Pixel. Uh, exactly how it sounds. P-A-D-A-N-D-P-I-X-E-L.com. But that's really like a resume. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Twitter. <laughs> All right. And what's your Twitter handle? Uh, uh, Crescenti B. All right. C- that's C-R-E-C-E-N-T-E and then B is in Brian. Excellent. Uh, Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Twitter's the best way as well. I am in town. So uh, Saturday I ended up doing a spot at the Comedy Store. It was great fun. Um, but that will be that those kinds of things will happen on Twitter if or when they are booked this week. It is at Spicer um, is the easiest way to find out about those. And then I usually stream just this show 
um, on my Twitch, which is usually we record Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time, and it's twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And then uh, it's the start of the new year. Um, register to vote yeah. and um, go, go find those charities that you want to support and look to um, help those um, people in Australia. Yeah, no kidding. And I want to say thank you for all the folks that are already sending us suggestions for guests you'd like to see in 2020 on the show. We appreciate that. You can send those to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or post them on the subreddit. Um, It's going to be an exciting year. I already have a lot of cool people lined up. So uh, keep suggestions coming. If there's people I don't know about, I would love to get more and more voices on the show. So I mean, we set the bar high coming out with Brian out of the gate. I know. So you, I love you it. Gave yourself a high bar to keep clearing. <laughs> It'd be impossible. But we'll, we'll, we'll try. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. You can also check out my, my uh, movie and TV review show called slash Filmcast. You can find that at slash filmcast.com. We just did our uh, top of 2019 as well, which should be hitting very, very soon by the time you hear this, I'm sure. And I do the dungeon run, which has had two weeks off, but man, I'm so excited to get back uh, next Wednesday, the eighth, we will be back with new live episodes of the dungeon run, which is my live play dungeons and dragons show. So, so proud of that show. If you haven't checked it out, it's like watching a TV show, except we're making it up as we go. And um, it's, it's the, the best thing that I feel like I've ever made. It's pretty wild. So check it out. Uh, you can find it by searching for the dungeon run on YouTube. You can find it as an audio show anywhere you get podcasts by searching for The Dungeon Run as a podcast. And you can watch us live as we record Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Brian, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Of course I do. Uh, so I, I love video games, but I also happen to love horror movies. I'm a huge fan of horror movies. I actually have a spreadsheet that I share on Twitter sometimes of the 500 or so that I'm I'm sort of consider my favorites. Um, anyway, this year or last year's 2019's, I think, best uh, horror movie of the year was Tigers Are Not Afraid. Uh, if you haven't seen it, absolutely, you should watch it. It's very interesting. It's uh, magic realism meets uh, gang violence meets uh, horror. It's wow. fantastic. Yeah. I haven't even heard of this movie. It, oh, you got to see it. Is it streaming somewhere? Uh, gosh, I, I saw it on Shudder. Hmm. Oh, right. The horror channel thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I think it, it moves around a lot, but I think Shudder was the last place I saw it. You might ch- check Netflix. It's, um, it is, oh gosh, I, I can't believe I can't remember where it is. It's in Spanish. I can't remember where it was made, okay. what country it was made, but it's, it is so good. I can't say enough good things about it. It's such a great different sort of horror movie. Awesome. Again, that's Tigers Are Not Afraid. Christian Spicer, what about you? Got a parting gift? Yeah, so I, I kind of talked about the books that stuck with me in 2019 over the course of the year. Um, and for 2020, the first book that I finished, I had started last year, but the first book that I finished is was uh, Midnight in Chernobyl. And I know HBO had its uh, mini series about it as well, um, the disaster that happened there. The book is phenomenal. 
Um, it is it is different than the miniseries, which kind of recounts. I don't want to say the trial, but also watch the miniseries. But it's a uh, Midnight in Trouble is a I think it was like over a decade research book that um, reads like a thriller. Um, and I found myself, what happened? Do they make it out? Which is both I think compelling from a you know reading consuming standpoint, but then also horrific when I you know you remember like this was a real thing and these were real people and not you know does um harrison ford get the guy off his goddamn plane or whatever he says in in air force one um i like that just the harrison ford movie that you went with <laughs> he's a it's dad. A perfect one <laughs> it, isn't that a, is that not a tom clancy or is that no. clear and present clear he's been in all of them yeah you name it you name it he's done okay when when mutt comes swinging in on a vine yeah. and harrison ford oh, says boy. does the paycheck clear oh. um that. <laughs> but Midnight in Chernobyl, it is phenomenal. It's the first book I finished in 2020, and then to bookend it with the first book that I started in in 2020, which I have not finished. But it's The Righteous Mind: Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion by Jonathan Haid H A I D T. Um, and I've just started that, and it's kind of it's interesting talking about why people disagree and maybe how to overcome disagreements and and find ways that we can communicate again. So I'm starting that now. And those are the books uh, for the new year for me. All right. Very cool. We have a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes from Kevin. Kevin says, happy new year to you and all your families. Let's work together and make an awesome 2020. Thought I'd send a little parting gift as people start new year's resolutions around fitness and getting back into exercise. I have been a geek and sneaks my whole life. As my life has changed, I have changed my training to suit, but this came with a series of aches and pains and problems. My wonderful wife suggested I do yoga. I went on YouTube and found an instructor I liked, and it has become part of my daily routine. 10 to 20 minutes a day to stretch has helped my aches and pains ease. It also helps me mentally relax before bed. As people start on their fitness journey, remember post-workout care is important and will help reduce aches and pains. The YouTube channel I use is Yoga with Adrienne, and she has a whole body or specific muscles. Happy New Year to all the DLC listeners and guests. Thank you, Kevin. I have some news for you. I saw this email from Kevin, and my wife and I literally did this last night because of your email, Kevin. So you've already won me and my wife over. We tuned in to yoga with Adrienne, and she's doing a a 30-day yoga uh, thing starting January 1st, and we started it. And literally, as I finish this recording tonight, I'm going to go and do the next bit with my wife in our living room. And we're we you won us over. I think this is a great idea and uh, something I'm embracing for January as well. So thank you for sending it in for me personally, but I think listeners will uh, benefit from it as well. It, it was really a lovely thing to do. My wife and I just sitting on the floor and stretching and doing yoga uh, while we watched a YouTube channel. So, cool. And yet all the emails I send you over the years, you and your wife have yet to do any of them. <laughs> well, that's because you're, you know, you're telling me to do terrible things. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like uh, Trace Leches all the time, Christian. That's just oh, too, many, yeah. too many Leches. Yeah, yeah. You can stretch while you make it, though. Uh, so it works yeah. out. Stretch Leches? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> One way or another, yeah. <laughs> um, 
My, I, I mentioned it earlier, so it's kind of redundant, but I had written it down, so I'm going to do it. My, uh, my parting gift is the movie 1917, which utterly gobsmacked me. I cannot recommend this movie enough. I didn't, I hadn't seen a frame of it when I went to see it. I didn't, I hadn't watched any trailers. I hope you don't. Don't watch any trailers. Just go see 1917 on the biggest screen you can find with the best audio they have in your area. Trust me, it's extraordinary. Uh, blew me away. It 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 feels like watching Lord of the Rings. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. 1917. Uh, it it was my number one movie of 2019. So that should tell you something too. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Brian Crescente and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. Thanks to all the folks in our live chat room for hanging out with us in real time and making the show better. We appreciate you. And thank you to each and every one of you that are here for another year of DLC. Oh, man, this is year seven we're starting on, Christian. How crazy is that? Uh, We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.